How many deer hunters we have here in the congregation? Okay, a few hands are up. Uh, deer season is upon us here in Kansas. Uh, I don't know if you heard about the three fellows that went deer hunting together. One was a preacher, one was an elder, and one was a deacon. And uh, they they set up their their spot where they were going to hunt the deer, and I, they hadn't been there long, and I mean this huge deer came in near where they were at, and the preacher and the elder shot at the same time and dropped the deer dead in its tracks. The preacher was confident that he was the one who shot the deer, uh, and yet the elder was confident that he was the one who shot the deer. The deacon went to examine the kill. He hollered back, it was definitely the preacher's bullet who got this deer. And the elder said, how do you know that? And the deacon answered, because it went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> Those deacons, I tell you. I hope that when you hear the Word of God preached, that you're not letting it just go in one ear and out the other. Rather, I hope that when you hear it, that you act upon it, that you, you, you listen and you, you think, what can I do with this? How can this make a difference in my life? Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the Word of God and observe it or obey it. That's the New International Version. The New Living Translation says, Blessed are all who hear the Word of God and put it into practice. That's what we need to be doing when the Word is preached to us. We need to strive to hear it, to let it sink into our heart and into our mind, and to practice it. We're in chapter 20 of Acts today, and there is a lot in this particular chapter that if we have that kind of mindset of not just hearing the word, but doing it, it's going to be a good thing for all of us. If we, if we receive the word and, and we try to figure out, okay, what can I do with this? Because in this chapter, we see the kind of ministry that the Apostle Paul had. As he's traveling around to the different churches, he's trying to give them strength, he's trying to help them. If, as we hear the word today, if we could just, okay, what can I do to put this into practice? How can I help this church be a better church? I can't think of anyone who who we could better pattern our church after, our ministry after, than that of the Apostle Paul. So as you hear the word, may that be your thinking today. Keep in mind that Paul is on his third missionary journey here as we're in chapter 20 of Acts. He's revisiting these churches that have already been established. He's trying to help them become stronger. First of all, in this chapter, I see that Paul had a ministry of encouragement. Let me read to you the first two verses of chapter 20. After an uproar had ceased, if you read back in chapter 19, there's a, there's a riot that has taken place. 
So that's the uproar that is being talked about. After the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. When he had gone through these districts and had given them much exhortation, he came to Greece. Just in those two verses, I see a lot of exhortation that is going on. The word exhortation means to console, to encourage, to strengthen. Interestingly, it is a word, this, the Greek word for exhortation is a word that is very connected to the word for Holy Spirit in the original language. The word for Holy Spirit in the Greek language is paraclete. The word for exhortation is parakaleo. And so they are very connected. And as I'm thinking about that, uh, it, it says this to me, that when we encourage someone, when we exhort someone, we are being very much like the Holy Spirit to them. We are doing a work that is likened to the Holy Spirit. We are coming alongside of that person and we are building them up through what we say to them. Our words can bring life or death to a person, according to the book of Proverbs. Words either build a person up or they tear a person down. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I'm wondering, are you involved in the healing business with your words? Or are you in the slicing and dicing business? Another way to phrase that question would be this. Are you involved in the construction business with your words? Or are you in the demolition business with your words? I bet that each of us could tell stories of how people have come to us and they have said things to us and those words which have been spoken to us, they either helped us, they either encouraged us immensely or they hurt us deeply. Paul was taking the time to visit these churches and he was encouraging the Christians in those churches. Would you? Take the time and give the effort towards being an encourager. There's, there's so many people who need encouragement from us. I was visiting with a young lady just recently in our church. She was telling me her story. And, and as her story unfolded to me, it just I could tell that she didn't have a lot of Christian influence in her background. And she was, she was just crying out for, for encouragement. She was try, crying out for help and, and support from other people. And as she left, I'm thinking, you know what that lady really needs is for someone to come alongside of her, to help her, to stand with her, to give her support. And I know there are a lot of people 
who are just like that. There are young people who need that. There are older people who need that. There are some young moms and dads who need some some encouragement and support. There are visitors among us who need encouragement and support. And we, as older, mature Christians, we need to be having our antennas up. We need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit as to who we can encourage. Romans 14, 19 says, So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Did did you hear that? Paul says, chase after this. Pursue this. Run after those things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Romans 15, 2 says, Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. We are not just about ourselves. Rather, we are to be about one another. And I want to encourage you to help this place this body of believers, to be a place where encouragement is happening. I I, want to say with the Apostle Paul, too, because I, I believe that that is happening here. I believe there is a lot of encouragement that is going on amongst the body of believers. But may I say to you, as Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, I know that you're loving one another, but may you excel still more. And may that be true for each and every one of us. We, I think there are a lot of folks who are trying to be encouragers. There's, there's folks who are having their, their spiritual antennas up and they're looking to see who they might give a word of encouragement to. And God bless you for that. But may you excel still more in this area. And so we see a ministry of encouragement going on here in chapter 20. Secondly, from the text, I see that Paul had a ministry of reproduction. Let me read to you verses 3 through 6. And there he spent three months, there in Greece is where he's talking about, and there he spent three months, and when a plot was formed against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of Pyrrhus, and by Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia. But these had gone on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. We sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came to them at Troas within five days, and there we stayed Seven days. By the way, did you notice in the text the change in pronouns from he to we? In the first three verses, the writer is talking about Paul. It's saying he went here and he went there, speaking of the Apostle Paul. And all of a sudden, from verses 4 to 6, it's no longer he, it's us. It's we. And so what's happening here is Luke 
who has written this book of Acts is now traveling with Paul. And I especially wanted to point out to you there from verse 4 that there are seven men besides Luke who are listed as traveling companions with Paul. I'm thinking all of these men are ones that Paul has had an influence on. Most of them probably are ones whom Paul has brought to the faith of Jesus in his ministry, and now they've grown to such a point that they are now his traveling companions in ministry. That's what I call a multiplication ministry. He started out as one, and now we see the one has turned into nine. And if you're a student of the New Testament, you will know that there are several other passages where Paul mentions other names besides what we see here in Acts chapter 20. Paul had a ministry of multiplication. I wonder, are we reproducing ourselves in the lives of other people? In other words, are we spending time with people to help them grow in the Lord? Are we investing ourselves into people for the purpose of discipleship? If you are one who has been a Christian for a long period of time, you ought to be one who is looking to see who you can invest your life in to to help them grow in the Lord. Again, I will say, you'll hear me say this several times in this message. It is not just about us, rather the Christian life is about others. And if we have been in the faith for a period of time and people have invested their lives into us, they have helped us grow in the Lord, we should be turning around trying to help other people grow in their faith journey. And you know what I have found? That when we do that, the blessing comes back to us. If you are a blessing to others and you're putting forth that effort to try and connect with people and bless them, the blessing returns to you. Listen to the following verses, Matthew 28, 19. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. In other words, help people to become followers of Jesus, not just converts, but disciples, people who will follow him. That is the commission that God has given to every one of us, that we are to help make disciples. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I want you for a moment to just concentrate on that verse that's on the screen, and I want you to note that there are four generations of believers in that verse. The things which you have heard from me... That's Paul writing that. Paul's the first generation. He is the patriarch of this line in in this particular verse. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust 
these to faithful men. And so he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is the second generation of believers here. Paul has invested his life into Timothy, and he's saying to Timothy, now, Timothy, you turn around and you give what I've given to you. You give that to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so the others also is actually the fourth generation of believers here. You have Paul who's giving to Timothy. You have Timothy who's giving to faithful men. And you have faithful men who are giving to others also. You see, this is the formula that God has given to us for reaching the world with the gospel. That when we come to Christ... We grow and we turn around and we give what has been given to us to somebody else and then that person is to turn around and give to the next person. And it is a chain reaction that is to happen. Now let me ask you, what, what, is, the, what is the problem that if there is one generation of believers who fail to pass it on to the next generation? Oh boy, you got a problem. You got a real problem. So hear what's going on in this passage of Scripture. We are not just about ourselves. We are to receive the gospel, and we then are to turn it loose to others. The last four years or so of ministry for me have been some of the most rewarding years of ministry because I have intentionally invested my life into the lives of other men at a high level of accountability and discipleship. And those men have grown, and you know what? I've grown too. I've been a blessing to them, to the glory of God, and they, in turn, have been a blessing to me. And I I just want to plead with you. If you are one who is mature in your faith, you need to be reproducing yourself into the lives of other people. You need to be helping others become mature in their faith. And that kind of activity doesn't take place without intentionality. It doesn't take place without a plan. And so can you gather from Acts chapter 20 Not only did Paul have a ministry of encouragement, but he had a ministry of reproduction. And that should be happening here at Community Christian Church. That should be happening in your life. You're investing yourself into somebody else's life to help them become stronger in their faith. Let me give to you a third point from Acts chapter 20. I see Paul having a ministry of teaching God's word. Now, I realize that I have emphasized this same point for several weeks. 
And so I won't spend a lot of time on this, but the reason I emphasize it again is the fact that it shows up in every chapter here as we're at this point in the book of Acts. Paul is... Paul has been on a a first missionary journey, he's on a second missionary journey, and now, here in chapter 20, he's on his third missionary journey, and he's going to different churches, and let me tell you, he's not going to those churches to sit down at a potluck supper. And that's not a slam against potluck suppers. I'm simply saying the purpose for which he is going there is to teach them the Word of God. That was high priority on his list. And he knows what the Word of God can do in people's lives. It's this book that can change people forever. And so Paul, the short time that he's with these churches, he's giving to them that which they desperately need. He's giving to them the Word of God. And he is not afraid to teach the truth. Let me give to you, uh, read to you verses 17 through 21. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How Here it is, how I was not shrinking from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 27. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. What was it that he talked with them about? He talked with them about repentance. He talked about faith. He talked about lordship. He talked about holiness and bearing fruit. You say, how do you know he talked with them about all of these things? Because these are the themes that he writes to them about. And I know that's what he was preaching to them. Some, some of the verses come right out and say that he was preaching to them about repentance. But I know he's preaching to them about lordship because that's what he's writing to them about in the, in the letters that he sends to them. He's writing to them about dying to self. He's writing to them about holiness. These are the things that he preached to them. His message was a very straightforward message, and sometimes it rubbed people the wrong way. I was listening to Charles Stanley preach a sermon this last week as I was driving, and in his sermon he told a story about Billy Sunday, who was a great evangelist, back in the early 1920s. By the way, he was first a major league baseball player. He played baseball for eight years. He was an outfielder. He was a pretty good player, according to what I read, but he left baseball to become a preacher of the gospel. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Sunday was not afraid to preach the gospel. He was not afraid to speak the truth straightforwardly. One day, a fellow said to him about his preaching, Don't you know you're rubbing the hair of the cat the wrong way? 
And Sunday responded, well, the cat is headed towards hell. If he'd turn around, I'd be rubbing his hair the right way. (laughs) We cannot be afraid to speak the truth to people. And of course, we must speak the truth to them in love. Paul said it this way. If, if If I'm not preaching in love, then I'm like a what? A clanging cymbal. I'm just making noise. And so, yes, I must speak the truth to people. You must speak the truth to people, but it always must be in love. How will people know the truth if we don't tell them the truth? When I look at Jesus' preaching in the gospel record, he did not hesitate to raise the bar through his preaching. He didn't sugarcoat the message. He called people to repentance. But I, I understand, too, we can't just be hammering people all the time. Paul didn't. Jesus didn't. Paul preached to them about grace, too. Look at verse 24 of this chapter. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Thank God for His grace. Amen? Have you thought about the different adjectives that that go alongside of the word grace in scripture? Let me I I did some looking this last week. This is what I found from the word of God. Adjectives that go alongside of the word grace. How about this? Sufficient grace. Saving grace. Abundant grace. Glorious grace, immeasurable riches of his grace, surpassing grace, true grace, more grace, lavished grace, overflowing grace, varied grace. Yes, his grace is a theme that must be preached because Without his grace, where would we be? We would have no hope. We would be destined for hell because we cannot be good enough. We need his amazing grace. And here at this church, may we have a ministry of preaching and teaching the word of God. And that goes far and beyond what's going on right here in this pulpit. It stretches to the, the ABF hour. It stretches to the, to, to the Sunday evening small groups. It stretches to the women's Bible studies and the, the different groups that are meeting through the week, studying the Scripture. We need a teaching ministry that is going on here in this body of believers where the Word is taught truthfully and faithfully and boldly. Telling people, about repentance and telling people about love and grace that comes from God.
The whole message needs to be preached. And you know what? It goes to each and every individual too. It is our responsibility to preach. Preach the message to our neighbor, to our co-worker, to our classmates, to those people whom we are around. We need a teaching ministry prevalent in this church. Fourthly, I see a ministry of love and sacrifice. Rather than reading a lot of verses from chapter 20, let me just give to you a glimpse of some of those verses. And and you pick up on the love that Paul had towards these people. He says, I was teaching you publicly and from house to house. You yourselves know how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and tears. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Verse 31, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. This guy loved his people. And he didn't just tell them that, he was with them. He cried with them. He hurt with them. And they loved him in return. And they were learning how to love each other. I mean, Paul had come to serve. He did not come to be served. And I pray that that could be the kind of ministry that we have in our church and and you can help it be that way. I mean, we, we will become more of a loving church when you, as a congregation, individual members, are learning to weep with those who weep. And you're learning to be there for those who are struggling. And you're learning to lift up those who are fallen. And you're rejoicing with those who are rejoicing. It's all of our responsibilities. Paul in Romans 12 urges us to become living sacrifices for God. Just one of those things that has never left my mind. One of my professors at college a long time ago said, the problem with living sacrifices is they keep wanting to crawl off the altar. Boy, a lot of truth to that. Because living sacrifices, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes a selflessness. It takes getting into other people's lives. But that's what we need to do. I have two other points here. I'll just mention them to you and not develop them. I just I want you to think about them as we're looking at Paul's ministry here in chapter 20. I see an, a ministry of integrity. I wish I had time to develop that, particularly in the day and age in which we live, right? As we think about the candidates, boy, we need to pray. We need to cry out to God for our country. The candidates that we have for presidency, there's just one scandal after another surrounding both of them. (sighs) 
I see Paul here. Yeah, he had his past. And God had forgiven him of his past. But since he has become God's man, there's not one scandal surrounding him. There's not one piece that comes up that said, Hey, Paul, you remember when you said this? When you did this? Oh, the only scandals surrounding Paul are the fact that people are wanting to kill him for his faith. Paul says, I've been, I was with you for three years, and, and I, I was, you didn't even have to take an offering up for me, he said. I was working with my own hands. He was a man of integrity. And we need to help this place be a ministry of integrity from the pulpit to every person in the pew. And that's not, I don't, I'm not saying the pulpit's here and the people in the pew are here. I'm saying we're all together in this. But from every person who has their name at Community Christian Church as a member, we need to have a ministry of integrity. And when we fail, cry out to God in repentance, true repentance. And last of all, I see a ministry of perseverance. There was no quit in Paul, even when persecution and hardship came his way. Could you look at these and just take some time for prayer today for yourself and for our church? God help us. May each may each person realize their place in this ministry, their value, that we are in this together, and that it is our responsibility to help this church be the very best that it can be to the glory of God the Father. And so help us. And Lord, we need you. Our country needs you. In Jesus' name.